Welcome to the Sharon Cliff Podcast. I help experienced female business owners who have reached a revenue and passion plateau create renewed desire and time freedom for strengthening their relationships with themselves and others without sacrificing revenue growth and losing their individuality. I do this by uncovering your true underlying passion, energy, and flow to optimize your growth strategies. This podcast shares the tips, tricks, learnings, and lessons to connect self, mind, body, spirit, and passion. I'm a curious entrepreneur, intuitive coach, mentor, wife, and mum to four amazing humans who enjoys living life on my terms. Turn up the volume. Let's do this. So today on the Sharon Cliff Podcast, we have Sarah Taylor. Now, Sarah is a 21-time world bodybuilding champion, an international speaker, high-performance business and health coach, mentor, and nutritional healer. Sarah is passionate about mentoring and educating women about leadership, communication, health, and succeeding in male-dominated industries and lives by her motto, it's never too late to start today. Now, Sarah, before I talk about your motto, I would love you to introduce yourself. So tell the listeners, you know, who you are and what it is that you do. Well, I guess, I mean, I guess it's just what you said. I mean, that was a, that was the 30,000 foot high level overview. But really, um, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much a, an ordinary person. I've just done some extraordinary things. OK, and I guess I'm a living proof that anybody can do exactly that when they really put their mind to it. So I'm sure we'll touch on that as we go through this. But really, I've been in IT, the IT world um, for, for 25 years, and I've literally done every single hands-on technical and business-related role in IT. Um, so I guess through that, I've sort of risen up the ranks, and I've risen, you know, I've done all these different roles in different companies in all sizes, shapes. You know, I'm from England, I'm in Australia now. So, um, you know, I really have been around and seen an awful lot of everything and um, I guess my rise to the real top of the corporate world has coincided completely with when I got into the bodybuilding world and that that is a kind of a story in its own right you know when I was when I was 40 I I became newly single I was out of a 10-year-old 10-year relationship and um, I was really completely lost and directionless okay um, you know, 40s, a bit of a crunch time. And I, I just found myself completely lost in directionless. And I really, I guess, out of a 10 year relationship, I really didn't know who I was. You know, I really had, didn't have a self, sense of self identity. And one of the goals that I'd actually already set myself previously to do by the time I was 40 was to climb the highest mountain in South America because I love, I love high altitude trekking. But I went along to a gym and had an assessment and, um, I hadn't, although I played like sort of, I've always been active and sporty my whole life and I'd been playing tennis four times a week. I cycled everywhere. Um, this gym assessment came back that I was actually a beast. Oh. And that was so mortifying. You know, in my head, I was the fit chick. And then all of a sudden, suddenly I'm like, I'm 40, I'm single. And now I'm a beast. And I, it really just crushed what, you know, shred of self-confidence I had left. You know, it's like, well, uh, you know, I'm never going to find love again. Who's going to love me? Who am I? You know, and it's like, well, what the hell? Life wasn't supposed to be like this. Um, so it really was a very low point in my life. Um, but I'm never, I'm never one to, you know, I sort of kind of realized that crying about it wasn't going to help the situation. So I decided to do something about it. And I've reset my goal to 
of instead of climbing the highest mountain in South America, I was like, well, let's go and climb the highest mountain in Africa. <laughs> Why not? Um, and I gave myself nine months to get fit. So I sent I set out on an absolute tear and I was brutal on myself. I have to, you know, looking back on it, I was brutal on them on myself. And you know, when I got into the bodybuilding, it was easy compared to the the you know the pain I put myself through to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. But in the process, I lost 25 kilos. So by the time I climbed the mountain, I was in the best shape of my life at, at 41. Um, subsequent to that, I then lapsed into depression, you know, not having this big goal to aim for. I was Once again, I was directionless and aimless, and I lapsed into depression. So once again, I was like, well, the only thing that's been working in my life is my fitness. So I really doubled down on this, and I hired a personal trainer. And completely by accident, within sort of four months I got into even better shape than when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro to the point where for my 42nd birthday I rewarded myself with a photo shoot I was like it was just something that's so outside my comfort zone it's just not even on the same planet sort of thing like this so, you know why on earth would I do a photo shoot but it's like I it was basically a reward for not giving up and at that photo shoot the photographer said to me are you doing the show what what are you talking about what are you talking about she said the bodybuilding show it's in two weeks I said I still have no clue what you're talking about because it's it just was not a thing so I went along to the show and just freaked out at all these ginormous huge muscly women covered in fake you know fake hair fake nails fake boobs fake tan sparkly stripper heels sparkly bikinis it was just just such a bizarre experience that I freaked out and broke out in little red dots all over my my body and then the, the next day at train, training my trainer was like oh don't come near me what what disease have you got and I was like well I went to the bodybuilding show and um, well could I do that do you think um, and he was absolutely delighted because apparently you know unbeknownst to me he'd seen the potential in me and had wanted me to do that but he just didn't know how to broach the subject anyway so so I said, great, we've got 10 weeks to the state titles. Um, so we had 10 weeks of crazy blurry, all sorts of new stuff that I had to do. Um, and I won the state title at my first show. Wow. Which was awesome. And then, you know, then I fell in love with this. But then three after my third show, which was only sort of in the space, of, I had three shows in the space of four weeks. And then literally four weeks later, I was under the knife uh, with the first of my shoulder recos because my body had literally just fallen apart. And the bodybuilding had really sort of tipped it over the edge. Um, so I had to have both shoulders reconstructed. Then I narrowly avoided hip surgery as well, because literally like my hams, I tore both hamstrings. I had crumbling hip. It was just a disaster. I got to the point where the doctor said, don't even get out of bed, <laughs> you know, because well, if, if there's nothing else to break. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it all. That's right. <laughs> So, so again, that was a super low point. And this is where my trainer was actually very instrumental. Um, he basically sat me down and, or I sat him down and said, Hey, I've got, I've got to quit all forms of activity because my body's just broken. Um, otherwise it's double hip surgery. And he said, look, you know, Sarah, you've got the size, you've got the shape and the symmetry. Um, you sure as hell have got the mental toughness. If we can get your body right, I will make you world champion. Now this guy's 28. Nobody in their right mind would tell a broken down 43 year old, that they're going to make the world champion in, in bodybuilding, which is one of the toughest sports in the world. Um, but it set something off. And I said, right, let's just do it. And we did. Um, I had a whole year of rehab, literally rebuilding my body from the ground up. So I had to learn how to stand, how to place my feet, how to place, literally place the weight on every single one of the joints of my toes. I had to rebuild from the ground up. And then um, 
two years later, I went overseas to Los Angeles and won 11 world titles in a row wow. <laughs> in the space of three weeks. And then I've carried on to win 21 titles. And in the process of that, and what's, this is what's weird, I guess the discipline that's been required to go so far in the bodybuilding world, you know, I had to, I had to put sort of structures and processes in place to allow me to be disciplined whilst working a full-time job because I've always worked a full-time job. You know, and then I started adding coaching on the top of that. So I really had to develop these, these um, structures that allowed me to become, I, I call it superhuman. You know, it's like I found the, the bonus level of, of um, you know, just performance and productivity. Um, and as a result of that, that's how I also, you know, that's when I really started rising in, in the corporate world as well, right up to the point of the executive level. Um, so, you know, sport, sport and life really do mirror each other. And I attribute to where I am now to the bodybuilding. Yeah, for sure. So that certainly explains, you know, it's never too late to start, start today because, you know, as yes, you said, absolutely. You're yeah, in your, literally, you know, 40, you decided to take up a, a career in, in, in bodybuilding. And then, you know, even at, as you, as you said, 43, where you thought you were broken and, and that, that you'd have to give up something that you loved, um, you know, that you kept going so I, yeah. love, that. I love that motto that you've got there yeah. so. and and you know and I guess you know I hit 50 and it was like or kind of now what um and I've been in Melbourne the whole time I've been in Australia but it just sort of I don't know something went something happened it just kind of came to an end for me and it's like okay what's next so I've, I you know during Melbourne's lockdown um in 20 in COVID uh so what would that have been 2020 the long lockdown yeah. um I moved up to Queensland so I, I literally up, got rid of everything again, upended my whole life at sort of 50 and moved to Queensland. So I'm now in Queensland. Oh, and you're I've started Queensland. all over again. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Queensland, Queensland too. Um, awesome. And it was because I moved to Queensland that I got invited to be the COO of Conscious Education Company. That wouldn't have happened if I hadn't upended my life and moved to Queensland. So I've started again, again, <laughs> if you see yeah. what I mean. Yeah, it's like me, like, you know, I'm, I'm 46 and, you know, two years ago I just got to that same point where, where you just said, you know, you're sitting there and you're saying, well, who am I and what's my purpose and, and what am I doing? Like I'm bored with what I'm doing and, yeah. um, it, it, you know, my story completely changed as well and I've been in Queensland um, 12 years and, and so, you know, when I was 30 or I've been then 33 um had to you know totally reinvent myself as well because the life that I had there um my husband and kids we moved to Queensland and I had to you know totally shift again what what I had to yeah. do and, and what my purpose was so yeah. it's it, it certainly is something that you know as women we're, we're very resilient and we're we are good at saying well okay well what am I doing now and whilst you might not know what the answer is we actually have the you know the tools and, 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 and intuition to be able to go and find what what we need so yeah yeah what um absolutely and sort of leading on from that you know we obviously you've just you know shared your story which is absolutely amazing and so inspiring and you talk about you know how you've moved into that sort of coaching space and mm. and I noticed that you you talk about teaching and I don't really work with men or women but whether whether it's just women but you talk about teaching them to be unstoppable and mm. we do hear a lot about that you know it is one of the buzzwords around at the moment you know to be to be unstoppable and you know there's even a theme a theme song around being unstoppable so 
what does it actually mean to you? So if you're talking to someone or, you know, you're coaching them through where they're at and, and where they want to be, what does it actually mean for someone to be unstoppable? And then from that, how do you actually get them in that mindset to be unstoppable? Because obviously, you know, with, with your bodybuilding, when you're at that breaking point, you actually had to go to that level of a discipline and mindset to take yourself to be unstoppable so that you could win all those bodybuilding championships. How do you do that with clients? So what actually does it mean to be unstoppable? And how do you, you take them on that journey? Okay. Gosh, that's a, that's a huge question. Um, well, really, to me, I guess, you know, the underlying premise, I guess, of being unstoppable um, relies on resilience. It's being resilient and basically not letting whatever life throws you get you down. And, you, you know, most of us probably set goals in one way or another. You know, if you can't hit a goal or something comes out, you know, out of left field and knocks you off your perch, being unstoppable is about how you deal with those situations and go around it so you can still keep going. Yeah. So, for example, um, you know, you know I, I got into great shape. I lost 25 kilos. I got into great shape. And then I went through depression. So, so that kind of knocked me off my perch. But then by reassessing what was working or wasn't, I found something that was working that I could I could double down on or latch onto that was positive. So I found something that was positive and I worked with that until I could get myself to a position where I felt that I was, wasn't drowning any longer and my head was above the water and I could stay above water for more than five minutes sort of thing. Um, and then I could start looking around and going, okay, so I've got myself out of this hole to a place where I'm feeling stable and you know, every day I, I feel that I can get out of bed and um, actually feel a bit more optimistic about life in general. Once you get to that point, then you can start looking around. Um, I, you know, I also had to change, change job and change house when I was going through depression as well, you know, because my whole life was just a mess. But once I, got to, once I had that one thing that was stable enough that I could focus on it, um, and hiring a personal trainer was, was really, really critical here because basically the way I describe it is I outsourced my thinking to somebody else. And that outsourcing of that thinking for one hour a week, literally just one hour a week, because I could only afford one PT session a week, outsourcing all of the noise that was going on and giving myself just one hour of peace was enough so that I could start sort of, I guess, uh, de-stressing enough to actually start getting the thinking happening again. Okay, what's working? The PT is working. Okay, stick with the PT. What else is working? Okay, my food is working. Stick with the food. Okay, what else is working? Um, oh, let's now go and see if I can find a new house to live in, which is going to be better for me. So that then then you once you've got this sort of stable base and things are starting to go in the right direction, then it becomes this sort of snowball. You can start looking at what next and next and next. So really, to me, unstoppable is about being resilient and how you deal with, with the curveballs and how you go around them or work with thing, work with other things in your life that can you can use as a crutch or um, you know some sort of motivation to keep you keep you moving in a direction rather than just getting stuck in this hole and just focusing completely on the hole because that's you know that's the thing when you're in a hole or basically in, in life in general, whatever you focus on is what you get more of, okay? So if you're in a hole and you're stuck and stuck and things are not going right, if you, if you focus solely on that, that's all you're going to see. 
and that's all you're going to get. So the key to me about being unstoppable is, is to start looking around that hole. What else is there? And if there's anything that's even the vaguest bit positive, focus on that. Because once you've got one thing that's a little bit more positive, you can look for something else that's positive and something else. And then you'll start moving yourself in a much more positive space. And look, you can do, you can do really simple things yourself. It's like, okay, I might be in a hole. Things might be going, being a complete disaster, but there are things that you can do. It's like, okay, um, I live in Australia, for example. You know, Australia's the lucky country. I, I, I might not be in my ideal house or even a great house, but I have a roof over my head. There's billions of people in the world who don't even have a roof over their head. It's like, okay, I eat three meals a day. There's, again, billions of people who never have, you know, don't have three meals a day. Therefore, I am richer or in a much better situation than billions of people. Yeah, and it's you that know. gratitude too, isn't it? Yeah, and it's being grateful for the small things. It's like it's a sunny day, brilliant, and I can sit outside in a sunny day. Brilliant, be grateful for it. So, so practicing gra- gratitude is a very, very key part of it, actually. Yeah, for sure. So... When someone's un- unstoppable, you know, obviously they're, pra- they're practicing gratitude. They're looking at all the positive in things. They're able to, you know, they've got, they've got the, the tools to be able to, to look at the situation and go, okay, well, how do I get myself out of this? So once they're at that point, what does it actually mean to be unstoppable? So we, we, we know that, okay, so they're unstoppable now because you know, they're seeing the positive and they've got the, the mindset and, and, the, and the gratitude and they've got the discipline. What's the difference between, you know, as far as results-wise with the business if you're unstoppable as, as opposed to someone who is not? Okay. Well, another key, key part of being unstoppable, I suppose, is having, I talked about these structures that I put in place, habits. Your habits are critical. So it's, it's developing systems and structures that work for you on automatic um, so, for example, one, one thing for me is, is my diet. It doesn't change year round. It's just the same. I do the same thing pretty much every single day. And that allows me to not even have to think about what I'm going to eat for dinner or, or breakfast or something like that. It means my shopping is so simple. It takes 15 minutes a, a week because I'm never, you know, I don't have to worry about what to get. It's the same thing. So that's a structure that I created so that I always know that my health is looked after. I always know that my, my nutrition is looked after. Um, and I can, I'm, it frees up my brain, my brain space to focus on my work, my job, business or coaching somebody. Okay. Another thing is I, I tend to live in gym gear or, you know, I have, I have a very, very small wardrobe of just a few clothes and I wear the same thing every day. Why? Because I don't want to have to stand there in front of a wardrobe going, should I wear that? Should I wear that? Should I? That's trivial stuff. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a waste of my brain space. So it's like, okay, gym gear, put it on, go. I'm good to go. So it's, this is what, it's, it's about creating structures that allow you to focus on what's actually more important. Yeah. Which is, okay, I've got, I've got five people who I'm coaching today. What do they need from me? Who do I need to be to show up for them? You know, if I've wasted brain space, I'm going, well, should I have the, the should I have this, the salmon or the chicken for dinner? Hmm, don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not in the right person I need to be for the people that I'm coaching. That's for sure. And, and if you're spending time worrying about, do I wear the red dress or the blue dress? You know, it's not yeah. this. It, it, and- it's trivial, trivial. Yeah, don't take right. up brain space. I mean, you, we've, you've probably all heard about just decision fatigue. 
that's decision fatigue. This is this is why you know you get home from a hard day at work and there's no food in the fridge and burgers happen and then you go oh well where did why am I ten kilos overweight? Yeah, that's right. There's no structure in place. So that's what I do is I give people the structures. I I help them develop those structures that are that allows them to have you know various aspects of their life pretty much running on autopilot. Yeah. So they don't have to think about it. So then they've got the space to focus on what is more important, which might be going for a big goal, growing a business, if you're growing a business, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. I, I love how you just described what unstoppable means because that I think for a lot of people will be the biggest aha moment. In this. Mm. So um, we also hear, like, you know, I sort of said unstoppable is, is a bit of a, a buzzword at the moment and, and a bit of a trend. The other one that I'm seeing popping up quite a lot is authority and stepping into your authority. And I noticed that you, you know, talk about, you know, people stepping into their authority. So what sort of secrets or tips have you got around actually stepping into your authority? Well, that's, that's an interesting one because it's only really, I suppose, in the last five to six years that I've, I've even thought of myself in those terms. I probably was in various aspects, you know, through, through, my, through my career in, you know, in IT. I, I was kind of always at the top of the game. You know, I, I, every time I went for a new contract, I'd always be able to demand you know, top level, you know, the top of the range kind of thing like that because I was able to project authority, I suppose. And I guess it's, it's been a journey and, and that journey involves learning who you are, learning what your natural talents are, your natural skills, your natural strengths and your, your, your weaknesses, and really developing a strong sense of self-awareness. Um, you know, I've done a fair bit of personal development. And again, from that has come, you know, a great deal of self-awareness. So when I've stepped more into a sort of leadership roles, I'm very much aware of who I am and who I need to show up for the people that I'm with. And I, I guess I have the ability to, one of my strengths and one of my uh, superpowers, I suppose, is my ability to put myself in other people's shoes. And that's why I'm a great coach too, because I can, I can literally put myself into the situation that somebody's in. But in terms of authority, if, if, we, just take, if we just take the bodybuilding world, um, I started out as this, you know, starry-eyed newbie going oh my gosh this is all completely crazy and something that I did but it was it was just for myself is I started blogging um and at one point I actually at one point I actually had seven blogs running (laughs) but you know I started blogging and I was blogging my experience of, of competing and I literally blogged I was so approachable and real and authentic um, I literally wrote exactly what was going through my head. If I, if I had a meltdown, I wrote the meltdown. And then all of a sudden I'd get these comments popping up going, oh my God, Sarah, I'm so glad you wrote that. I thought I was going mad. I thought I was the only one. And I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. Um, but even when I did my first show, I had people backstage going, oh, you're Sarah Taylor. I've been following your blogs. And I'm like, wow. And I'd only been doing this 10 weeks at the time. You know, my, literally my whole first show took 10 weeks. So, so for somebody to do that, and I was like, oh, okay. And right from the word go, I guess you, you could, I guess I'd started establishing a level of authority. You know, people, people recognized me and they resonated with what I was talking about. And then when I had my year out for, for a whole year out with rehab, I literally learned 
um, actually, a friend of mine gave me a very good piece of advice. They said, if, you, if you're in a sport and you can't do your sport, but you want to remain connected to your sport, become a student of your sport. And that's what I did. I literally went to every show, took photographs, helped people out backstage, volunteered with the events, got to the point where my photo- I had people asking me to be their photographer specifically at their show. Um, and just being around and soaking it up and learning about it, then blogging about it, is probably what established my level of authority, you know, because people, you know, because I was writing things in such a relatable way. So, so I think people who are authority figures, they have to be authentic. They need to be relatable as well. Um, and then I guess in the corporate world, again, I've always just been me. You know, I've never... Um, actually, I want to do a TED Talk. This, this is what I want to do a TED Talk on this, is, is, is how to be... How to be a um, a leader without being a bitch, a Barbie, or a ball breaker? Because oh, I've never been any of those. That would be amazing. That's, that's I would love to do that because I've always been me. Yes, I've always been. You know, I've I've worked into leadership positions, and it's I've done it by being authentic. By authentic, and I think by being authentic and real, um, that's where you create authority. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and just that, you know, believing in yourself and and sharing your story, which you said, you know, you were just sharing your story through blogs and you created that authority that you didn't intentionally set out to, you just were, you just wanted to share your story. So, and I think that's the thing. Sometimes we think, what's authority? And we put so much pressure on, you know, we're stepping into our authority. But, you know, as you just, as you just shared, you were just being yourself you were telling your story and people related to that and they loved your authenticity and they were able to feel that connected to you because they realized that they weren't alone in what they were experiencing or what they were going through that other people were too and I think because you know as you said you just told your story from your point of view and actually what was happening to you and I think when sometimes when we think about authority, we don't think about it like that. So it's um it's it's a great way that you just explain that about you know how you built your authority in the bodybuilding industry without because a lot of the times we sort of look, you know look at the the corporate side of it where it's because of what your title is or um you know how many people you have reporting to you or you know what what uni degree etc you've got but. For you to put it into you know sort of real life life terms is um is, is really I think people will really connect and relate to that. So thank you for your version on on, on authority. Um, another point I wanted to to touch on when you know I, I was researching you as a um as a speaker was you you talk about transforming a business from the inside and for me as an intuitive coach I like to work with the individual and go deep within the individual and, and transform them from the inside out and then work with the business. And that's why I loved when I saw that you said you you like to transform the business from the inside as well. So can you just sort of explain what you mean by that? Because we don't I don't see that around and it really intrigued me when when I saw that um you know transforming the business from the inside because I've not, I've not really seen that crop up before. So can you okay delve into what that means? Yeah, look, as, I, as I've sort of said before, you know, I've worked in, I've worked in, you know, all sorts of many, many, many companies from right from sort of two people all the way up to sort of global, um, global corporations and stuff. And what's very clear is that 
the state of a company is usually a direct reflection of the state of the leadership. And leaders, um, yeah, leaders really define a company. Um, and if your leaders are not particularly self-aware um, or, um, or they're sort of ego-driven or they're, you know, they don't have a, a great deal of understanding of themselves, then that will translate to their teams and propagate throughout the company. So what I, you know, when I've, certainly when I went into CXI, it became very, very, you know, the, the, the company was um, uh, a mess, let's be honest. You know, I actually draw the, I draw the org chart and I literally just did a scribble like that because there was so many different people telling so many other different people what to do and when to do it and nobody knew what was going on. And then once I took over it, the structure changed completely. You know, there was basically the CEO, me, and then structure. So, so I, changed, I changed the org chart to Scribble, which was the CEO, because the CEO was, was very, I guess, unself-aware and very chaotic, okay? Then you had me as the COO, who's super disciplined and structured, and then everything subsequently beneath me became super disciplined and structured too. And we just, that's how I was able to get a 450% performance improvement. So that particular company, which was, which was a startup, became a direct reflection, absolutely direct reflection of the leadership. So the bits that were working was the bit that I was in charge of because I brought that discipline and structure and the self-awareness. Um, and um, yeah, I've, I still get texts from the people that, you know, the, my, my, my former team. Um, asking for sort of references and stuff like that because I'm oh, not saying come um, back, come back. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there was one my, my my database lady. She was ever so sweet. She was always like, Sarah, we love you. We don't want <laughs> we don't want to work for anybody else, you know, because because I was the other thing that I did is I actually listened to them, and they'd never had anybody who came in in the leadership position who had actually talked to not only talked to them as um, I guess experienced. Um, knowledgeable people technical people but I actually listened to what they had to say and they'd never experienced this before so that's another thing that you know lead, good leaders they actively listen to to their teams yeah um, and that's another thing that I you know thing that I say that I do is is that I lead from the bottom up so I lead through my team it's, it, the mod, the model is called servant leadership actually so I'm, I'm a servant leader. So in other words, I lead through my team. And by empowering them to become who they need to be, I will get, I will get the results that I want to see. Yeah. So I set the direction and then basically just re remove the blockages from the road to let, to let my team be the, the super people that they are. So that's what I mean by transforming it from the inside out. I work from the bottom up. With, with the people and empower the people to be as good as they can be. And then that, that will sort of kind of propagate up. But I also, you know, work with, I suppose, leaders to coach them how to become more self-aware and how to become better leaders as well. Yeah, and that's the key because, you know, yep. it's okay to be a leader, but to actually 
be a true leader, you do need to have that self-awareness. You do need to empower your team. You know, you do need to have structures in. You need to have the structures in, but you also need to step back and let them do what they're they're best at because that's where you bring out the best in that team. Yeah, so so anytime that you, you want to transform a business, you need to start with the leadership. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, that is the sort of the, the main points that, that I wanted to move through. So, Sarah, for anyone listening, you know, whether they're whether they're a female entrepreneur that, that you know, is working their own business and, and has a team or whether they're a, a female that is in a, a corporate role that, you know, could take in any of the aspects that were just spoken about, is there anything else that you think that we, that I, that I may have missed that we can add? Um. Not really, I don't think, actually. I mean, yeah, there's, there's probably a million things. Um, but I guess the key thing that has always served me throughout my career, um, I've always been, because I've been in IT, I've been always been in male-dominated um, industry. You know, I've always one of only, I'm either the only female or one of very, very few females in a, in a team. And the way I've, got to where I've got to to is because like I say I I mean I've touched on it is by being authentic being myself but not I guess not becoming a stereotype I've never been a a female who's sort of sat in the kitchen and gossiped and stuff like that Um, you know I get in I do my work and I'm just effective so it's about being effective. It doesn't, and being effective doesn't necessarily mean that you have to work sort of 12 hour days all the time. Um, it's about becoming very efficient with your time. So, you know, usually in, in, a, in a job, I've sort of, most of my corporate jobs for 20 odd years, I've sort of turned up at half past nine and left on the dot at five. But there's never been a single complaint because I've always got my work done because I'm effective with my time. So I, I cut out, I cut out the distractions. I don't do sort of social media. I don't sit on my phone. I don't, I don't stand at the water cooler gossiping and stuff. If, if I'm, if I'm in a break room talking to people, I'll talk to them when I'm on my lunch, that's fine. But otherwise I, I keep myself focused. So um, those are really, I think the things that have, have helped me. Yeah. Um, They're a good trait. And that's all that can, that can be learned. Yeah. And just to finish off, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Well, I'm actually going to go back. Well, in the bodybuilding world, I had two very good pieces of advice. Um, The first piece of advice was, well, I've already told you one of them, which was my friend who told me that to become a student of my sport. And I guess you could apply that to your to your job as well or your your business. Become a student if you want to know something really well, if you want to um, grow something stuff, you've got to really know it. And businesses are very organic. You know, they, they have a heartbeat. They have a, um, you know, they have a sort of life cycle and stuff. So learn the heartbeat of your company. Um, the other very good piece of advice was um, if you've got a coach, in fact, get a coach, <laughs> right there, get a coach, um, but choose one one voice that you're going to listen to and only listen to that voice. So particularly when you, I'm on competition preparation, when I, in my novice year, all of a sudden people would come out of the woodwork and tell me exactly what I needed to do with my diet, my exercise and stuff like that. And it become very, very confusing. So, so the coach that I did have said, you pick one coach and you listen to that one person. 
Okay. And I highly recommend that everybody gets a coach or a mentor. So if you're growing a business, find a mentor who's ahead of where you need to be, because they will be able to tell you what you need to do next. Particularly if you're struggling or you're not quite sure what, what, what to do next, get a coach, get a mentor. Absolutely. So you agree with you there. And, and, you know, I'm a business coach. I have a business coach. So, you know, and and it's just picking someone that is, you know, that's walked the path that that you want to walk or that is, you know, slightly ahead of you or it can complement areas where it could be, you know, your weakness or where it's not a strong point for you so they can help you grow and develop as well. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time on the Sharon podcast today. I will drop the links to um to to um to your website, etc. So if people want to connect with you and and find out more more about what you do, they can do that. So thank you so much for being on today. You're welcome. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. <laughs> That was fun. Thank you for being part of this week's episode. I would love to hear your thoughts, questions, ideas, and suggestions for future topics for the podcast. So please get in touch on Instagram, The Sharon Cliff, or through my website, sharoncliff.com.au. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please go and rate it, leave a review, and subscribe so more people can find out about it. Until next time, that's all from me.